Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one meaningful page of Talmud a day. And I say meaningful because our topic today is the meaning of life, quite simply. First of all, I want to introduce our guest. Before we ponder the greater mysteries of existence, he is my dear friend and my always teacher, Rabbi, Dr. Professor, Mr. Ari Lam, the CEO of the Bnei Zion Foundation. Hello to you. Liel, it's so great to be here. There are not enough honorifics on this planet to describe uh, the, the wisdom and the inspiration that you have given me throughout our acquaintance. And now, because that's the case, I really reserved the great question for you because in today's daf, in today's page that we read, the rabbis are having a really fascinating discussion. Basically, their discussion is what it means to be alive. They're talking about what happens when, God forbid, a baby dies. How long must a person have lived to have been considered alive? Is it enough to just draw one breath and then die? Or do you need to be around for 30 days? What is it that you need to do in order to be considered a person? And so that kind of put me in mind of, you know, the larger questions that our species ponders often, which is, what does it mean to be alive? And I figured, who better to ask? So just unpack that little doozy for us. (laughs) Well, you know, you and I, Liel, have had the opportunity to share so many wonderful things with each other, so many heavy things with each other. But I actually don't think that you know this about me, although it's public knowledge. But actually, between my oldest daughter, my incredible oldest daughter, and my second daughter, we actually lost the pregnancy. And I remember getting the news and my wife and I sitting in our sorrow and without any exaggeration, pondering the meaning of life and the meaning of loss. And this duff is so profoundly striking, both for what it says, what it doesn't say, and what it implies. And I actually quite vividly remember thinking about a particular line from this duff when we experienced what we experienced. So it was truly providential. And and you couldn't have known this when you asked me to speak about this stuff. It it, it truly felt uh, providential. Um, You know, when we think about this stuff, so the core premise that sets up the discussion on this stuff is Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, one of the exemplary sages of the uh, Mishnaic period. He proposes that a child who has not lived for 30 days, and certainly one that was miscarried or stillborn or what have you, is not considered a viable child for, or sort of to be a viable life for all sorts of areas of Jewish law. Now, just to set the parameters here, the laws of, you know, if you have a child who has lived for 20 days and somebody kills that child, it's murder. Not only is it murder, but in fact, from, a, from an historical standpoint, one of the things that made the Jews famous or infamous in the Roman Empire, to give a sense of just how far Western civilization has come, the Roman historian Tacitus, one of the great writers of the ancient world, mocked the Jews mercilessly because they, unlike the genteel elite citizens of the Roman Empire, in his words, refused to kill any late-born child. In other words, whereas the enlightened coastal elites, if you were, uh, if, if you will, of the <laughs> of the Roman Empire would regularly leave their children out for exposure if it was uh, inconvenient to keep them around, if they were sick or if they were sickly or if it was the wrong gender. Um, Jews refused to do this. And, and so as a consequence, Tacitus 
observes that, you know, the Jews would, you know, have so many children and they were unafraid of death and all this kind of stuff, which he thought was just totally barbaric and backwards. So the Jews have always really, on the one hand, stood for the principle that life is life and it's precious no matter how inconvenient it may be um, in the course of setting your daily plans. And yet, on the other hand, my late grandfather who just passed away and my my teacher, uh, my beloved teacher, Rabbi Norman Lamb, Zecher Tzadik Lebracher, may his memory be a blessing. I will say it because you uh, may be too humble. Truly one of the greatest minds that have blessed our nation and our people in the last hundred years or, you know, ever for that matter. Well, that's a very kind thing of you to say, and I, I certainly agree, and I I actually remember, and I read it every year, he has a wonderful sermon that he delivered in 1971 on Yom Kippur, where he talks about the strange phenomenon of Jews, men and women, gathering into their synagogues every Yom Kippur, and traditionally donning white clothes, whether it be a, a white literally the white shrouds that you wear when you're buried, which is what men wear on Yom Kippur, or whether it be white clothing or a white yarmulke. And, you know, one of the signature interpretations of this act by some of the great Jewish authorities is that this is meant to represent that we are sort of imitating corpses, as it were, on Yom Kippur. And so he has an entire sermon where he unpacks the, the weighty imagery of that. And he has this one line at the beginning of the sermon, where he basically sets the tone for the entire rest of the talk, and it's truly magnificent. You can find it online. And he has a line, which I'll never forget, I read it every year, where he says, morbidity is morbid only for those who would like to go through life under the illusion that they will live forever. But whistling in the graveyard is for frightened young boys, not mature adults. And Amen. Yeah, and there is a sense in which sort of part of the core commitment of, of, of Judaism and Jewish values is that we do not flinch at death. We do not flinch at death. Death can be a respite. Sometimes, you know, if you're suffering, it can be a relief, but death can also be tragic. It can be untimely. It can feel unfair, but it is the one experience that we all share as human beings. And so we don't flinch from it. We contemplate it. And so what you find, you know, on this death is this sense in which, yes, we need to deal with the fact that sometimes not only do people die, but young children die, infants die, babies die, beings that no human being with even half a heart would think deserve this. And yet the Talmud really feels that it is a taxonomic responsibility, it's analytical responsibility, it's spiritual responsibility to catalog each and every nook and cranny of the human experience, and that includes something even as terrible as infant death. And that brings me to my next point, which is that because the rabbis know that as unpleasant as this topic is, and as, as disturbing as it is, if we're going to be spiritually and, 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 and morally serious people, we have to contemplate everything and anything that could happen in the course of human events. And so one of the conclusions that the rabbis and their responsibility as examiners of the human condition come to is they say that if you have not lived for 30 days, then retroactively, we can certainly consider that, you know, the pregnancy that produced such a child to have been sort of a non-viable pregnancy. And the child may even be, for certain purposes, considered to have been dead for the time that it was alive, which, at least in, in our case, you know, as, as a couple that experienced, uh, we didn't even get 30 days, but, 
you know, as as a couple that experienced this, that's certainly a very difficult thing to hear. The laws of mourning don't uh, don't apply to a child that hasn't survived for that long. And you know what that bespeaks to me is two things. First, the rabbis and some of the great contemporary modern Jewish thinkers have articulated this in a powerful way. The rabbis were convinced that there are sort of two ways to think about. Uh, how a person shows up in the world. And we actually have to appreciate both of them in order to fully appreciate the gift of life that God has given us. And that is, there's what you are. What you are is a human being and created in the image of God. Any child, whether stillborn, miscarried, died within a week, within two weeks, or lived for 90 years and had a long, full life, every single one of those beings bore the image of God during their existence. And there is no getting around that one way or another. And we are completely uncompromising in our commitment to that idea that all human beings, no matter their station, their health, their ability or disability or what have you, all human beings, no matter what, bear the image of God. Then there is the question, what do you do? What do you do with your life? And there, the rabbis are very stark in sort of committing to the notion that if you don't have time to do anything in this life, then you've missed out on something fundamental. If you don't have time to grow up and experience this life, you, you've missed something. And that is the tragedy. The tragedy of, of losing, you know, in our case, losing a pregnancy. And, and I know it's certainly much worse to lose a child. The tragedy is that you've missed out on something. Like you've missed out on the on the sweetness and the miracle of life. You know, our second daughter, you know, she has two Hebrew names. One is she's named after an aunt of mine, my beloved aunt Sarah, whom we lost in the prime of her life. And her second name is a reference to the child that we lost. And I often thought about this when we were when we were contemplating that name, which is that, you know, on the one hand, you know, there is the life well lived. And losing it is tragic because, you know, precisely because you mourn what you've what you've lost. And at the same time, there's the, the matter of commemorating the life that was never even lived. And that's tragic, not because of what you've lost, but because of what you've never had. And the rabbis were unflinching in recognizing that those two types of tragedies are, are actually different tragedies. And we have to approach them differently. It is different when you've lost something you've never when you've lost something. Uh, and when you, you've actually never had something to begin with that you were hoping for. And the last thing I'll say is that, and this was the, the passage that I thought about often when we experienced what we experienced, is that there is a magical moment on this daf, even in the midst of this soul-crushing, horrific topic, right. which is this sort of section of the Talmud ends with this typically Talmudic, intellectual flourish, which is, you know, the Talmud often does this thing where it will make a claim, a straightforward claim that you can take to the bank, you know, and that's that. Then it'll immediately tell a story or relate an incident where it doesn't explicitly undermine the claim, but it makes clear how the claim is not as simple as it, as it, as it first, as it first seemed, right? So you can kind of like, you can, it's sort of a, a morally and spiritually serious version of like a Seinfeld plot, right? Where all the characters are like a Cougar <laughs> Enthusiasm plot, where like Larry David like makes this huge claim at the beginning of an episode. And then by the end of the episode, he's violated it so many times that it's clear that he doesn't actually believe it, right? So there is this incredible, this, this incredible set of stories that the Talmud relates 
where major rabbis, major rabbinic figures, um, lost children, as was common in the ancient world, lost children um, uh, who died before they were able to reach 30 days. And they weren't therefore supposed to mourn for them. And yet they do mourn for them. And they engage in mourning for them as if they had lived full and, and regal lives. And usually a relative or a colleague or a peer or what or a student would come up to that rabbi and say, why are you mourning? Don't you know you're not supposed to mourn? Don't you know right. the law is that you're not supposed to mourn? And the rabbi in all of those cases would say, I know that the child was a viable pregnancy. I know it was a viable pregnancy. Of course I'm not supposed to worry. If if I really thought that this was a non-viable pregnancy and because it didn't live for 30 days, therefore that indicates it wasn't viable, of course I wouldn't mourn. I happen to know for sure, I'm certain, I'm convinced that it was viable. Now, what's fascinating about that is that you can see the rabbis in those cases are not saying the law doesn't apply or the law is bad or my feelings mean that I can't or won't observe this law. What they are saying is that when it comes to, to loss and, and death and matters of this sort, this is the ultimate uncertainty that we all face. We all face it in, in equal measure, whether it's early in life or later in our years. You know, as much as this is true, I think the rabbis did recognize, and this was, not, if not comforting, at least reassuring for me in the moment, that it is normal and it is natural in the face of tragedy and of terror and, and of loss to reach for certainty, even if you know it's going to elude you. And even if you know that the law is premised on the idea that you can't ever have certainty about these things and that sometimes, you know, children just weren't meant to be in this world for reasons that are beyond us. And, and yet the rabbis themselves, even though they knew that, even the greatest rabbis themselves, sometimes when push came to shove, couldn't bring themselves to be unflinching and looking in death that way. And, and you know, when the moment came, even some of the greatest sages themselves flinched. Right. And, and that brought me comfort, at least in the moment, knowing that sometimes saying <laughs> we don't understand is a special uh, is, is a special thing that makes us human and it's very meaningful so you know if i could sort of sum it up the message of this stuff of this page this wonderful disturbing uplifting page of the talmud is that we should not flinch at death that sometimes death is sad because of what we've lost but other times it's sad because of what we've never had and that if in the end you do flinch, that's okay too. Rabbi Lamb, this is a podcast, so you can't see me now, so I'm totally not crying. You're crying. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> Thank you so much, my friend, for this illuminating as ever reflection. It's always so special to speak with you. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon.